goes down. Song goes down. Um, so if you guys wondered, uh, yes, I know the song just completely faded out. Uh, I hit the button. But if you guys were ever wondering, I don't know if he knows what to say in the beginning of these episodes. You, you should give yourself a pat on the back because you are right. Because I have no fucking idea. Oh, not to hit again. Uh, because I'm just good at just like letting a conversation flow and then talk and we just, we go from there. But once it progresses, then we're, I'm in good shape. But to start it, it's like, eh. I think I should just start doing like how Joe Rogan does it and they're just in the middle of a conversation and it just kind of goes there. I don't know. Maybe that's what I'll do. Because I, I really, I, I, it, it seems, it actually seems kind of natural when he does it. It's like they're just talking, and then, oh, he hits play, and boom. Whereas it's it's mine, it, it, yeah. I mean, I'm not, again, I know I'm, I'm rough on myself, but I try to, I just want to make it genuine. And I guess maybe sometimes when you when you constantly start it off the same way, it doesn't seem as genuine. Because we're actually talking, a lot of times I get, in the beginning with these guests, like off air, we start talking, and we get into it a little bit. I'm like, oh, shit, I should just hit record. So... Maybe I should just start doing that more often, just getting right into it, and we'll just we'll just jump into it with the guests, and then you just you'll get what you get out of the beginning. Um, but yeah, so let's get into this episode. I don't know if I said it, but this is episode one forty two. Thanks for the support, as always, my peeps. As uh, what did I? What did I? Oh shit! What did I call you guys? The um. Oh, I forgot what I called my fans. Oh. Not the blinders. What the hell did I call them? Oh, damn it. Oh, brain fog. I hate you so much. Uh, maybe I'll figure it out by the next episode. But I will see you guys soon. And uh, yeah, let's get this. Everybody, we are here again with another guest. I feel like lately I've been doing a bunch of these. I kind of took a hiatus, uh, as I mentioned many times. I I have so many done ahead of time, so I, I don't really need to. Maybe I should start considering putting out two a week, just so that I can catch up. But um, yeah, and I just certain guests just come from out of nowhere. Some I find, some find me. Uh, I'm just I'm very fascinated and just love hearing different people's stories because you know I only know my own. And then some of the people that are very close to me and I've made so many great friends out of this and just, you know, I've learned a lot about myself and, and just life by just doing this. Um, so, uh, but yeah, our next guest, uh, again, another pod matcher, uh, amazing site, say it all the time. And, uh, when I was reading his story, I knew I wanted to have him on. Uh, he seems like a good dude from, from what I've gathered here talking to him off, off air. So, uh, you want to tell us your story, maybe a little about yourself? Uh, yeah, so um, I guess it's been a little over four years. So in June of 2018, um, I had a ruptured brain aneurysm. You might want to say your name uh, first. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Well, Andrew Davey. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. uh, and um, all of my, all the information about me is on my website. I have a, a it's andrew-davey.com. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then that has you know, videos and, and, uh, things I've written that, that explain everything in much more detail. Uh, right. but about four and a half years ago, uh, almost I had a ruptured brain aneurysm and, uh, it's been a very interesting recovery process, uh, that, that I've only really become comfortable with in terms of accepting how everything has changed in the last year or so. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of really interesting uh, developments along the way that that I had to kind of adjust to. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I, I can go more into detail on any of that stuff if there is anything. Sure, sure. No, I, I was gonna you. I was gonna say because that that's that's like a really recurring thing with with us. Um, when you go through something for a while, it's kind of it's just shock. And you just, it's hard to even really, uh, like, really put it into words. And then you go to in this, you go through this phase where you're just kind of numb for a while. 
and then and then there's the the sudden panic of like oh my god my life is different and there's the depression and you get lost in this fog um and there, there, you just it, it just takes so much time to really get to a place where you can like stand on your own two feet um whether it's metaphorically or literally um and, and when you finally get to that place, it, you it's, you have to look back at that journey and go like, Jesus, how much time has passed? Because it, it almost, a lot of it just seems like it's all bunched together. Kind of like these last few years with this pandemic. It's like, you could tell me this, some, like this movie or something came out in 2020, or you could tell me it came out three months ago. And I go, oh, okay, I believe you. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been, it's been really interesting that, um, all the expectations I had for how I thought the recovery would go, uh, none of them ever matched up. Um, my, my, the physical recovery happened first. Like I was much more focused and, and, and only thought about, um, you know, the first year I needed to walk with a cane. Uh, I had double vision and then these things slowly healed very quickly. Um, so I had assumed that the rest of the recovery would happen on a, an, an expedited schedule. And uh, I didn't realize that there would be a very long emotional recovery that's really difficult to keep track of because like physically, if you stop walking with a cane, that's an easy marker to show you that you've had progress. But it's much more difficult to sort of put in perspective like you said, the emotional recovery, you kind of one day look back and see how far you've come. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of, like, I was under the impression that I, at some point, would feel exactly like I felt before the aneurysm, uh-huh. that um, that suddenly, like, my old life would come, would come flooding back one day, uh, and that all of this would somehow evaporate. Um, so it took a while to realize that while I would, while I would have certain things from my previous life that I would still be able to do, friends that I would see, experiences that I would have that were the same, that many things would be different. And I think it was just getting comfortable with that. Um, and you know, I, I one of the phrases that I began to, to use frequently, which is somewhat cliched, is I being able to see obstacles as opportunity. Um, so that was a, that was a big thing for me. Um, before the aneurysm, I'd been a teacher and, uh, an aspiring author. Um, I, my first book was about to come out the following year. Um, and then everything changed due to the aneurysm. Um, I didn't really feel comfortable teaching anymore. And even though the book came out, uh, it it didn't change my life the way that I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of go back to the drawing board. Um, and then as I was at the drawing board, COVID happened. So it was sort of like a unique experience became a universal experience. Um, but, but the whole time I kept having expectations like, okay, well, this will feel a certain way or this will take three months before I get comfortable with it. And I, it took a while to realize that I couldn't, I couldn't uh, indulge those expectations. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like the recovery would happen on its own speed in its own way. And I think what helped a lot was um, going to support groups and talking to people who just had had uh, a brain injury of some sort. It didn't have to be an aneurysm. It could have been a stroke or they were in a car accident, but hearing from them, that what I was experiencing wasn't unique uh, was really helpful. Um, sure. You know, you had you had mentioned that it was really good to have a community of people uh, who can kind of guide you along the way to let you know that what you're going through, you're not alone. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. No, it's and, definitely. I mean, it's it's good to have role models and examples because unfortunately, without with people with disabilities or conditions, it's harder to find them. Because there is a lot of shame. There's a lot of people who are just not accepting of what they're going through. 
Uh, maybe they're in that stage that you were at one point, or they just, it's just, you know, they just have yet to, they ref- refuse to accept who they are and, and what their new life is. Now, of course, there are a bunch of people that were born with this as well, depending on the condition. But um, yeah, I mean, even like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you like a basic example. Like I'm on a bowling team and you know, I'm legally blind. I can't see the pins. They're blurry. The dots out there, I can't really see at all and so I'm bowling and I'm I'm doing okay I got a 120 average I'm I'm bowling decent but I beat myself up so much because I want to do better because I'm on a team and I get frustrated with myself and so then I, I look online I'm trying to find examples of, of visually impaired or blind people bowling and there is none uh there's a thing called blind bowling but that is like a sillier thing it's just people kind of bowling outside and grass and it's not really a thing it's a fun activity Whereas bowling is a lot more serious, not that not that it's like the craziest like serious sport or whatever you want to call it, but it, it's 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 more, and it takes a lot of time and effort. But when if I don't have an example of someone to just show me how to do this from from a person like with my vision acuity, I can't do it. Or I mean, I'm I'm basically teaching myself, I should say, and uh, yeah, like so when you have people to just come to and say, hey, man, like, what is this like? How do you get through it? Because there are people who are going to be at different stages when you meet them. There are going to be people that are going to be at the same stage as you, people that are uh, at a lesser stage, and then there are people who have been have dealt with their brain aneurysm, you know, maybe it was 10, 15 years ago, and just like, oh, this is how you deal with it. And if you have someone to just kind of confide in, uh, it, it can make your life a, a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, well, that I mean, that was one of the reasons why I – chose to go back to school um so i'm i'm getting a clinical mental health counseling degree oh, good. so that my my hope is that i can help people recovering since i've since i have a unique uh, insight to what this experience is like um and i think that's you know a lot of a lot of what i do now is sort of geared toward helping other people uh <clears throat> have an easier time during their recovery sure yeah um, and by the way, I, I, uh, I, one of my classmates, uh, who's blind just made the first, uh, U S, uh, blind soccer men's national team. Oh, cool. Um, so that if, if there's an example of, uh, I can send you the link. It's uh, there's a YouTube video. Um, but yeah, his name is Anton, Anton Craig okay. and he, uh, he just made the team. So I'd love to get to know him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it can't, it, but you're, you're absolutely right. I think when you, when I, I remember, um, uh, I forgot if it was Tony Hawk or if it was another skateboarder who talked about when you see a skateboarder pull off a trick and you know it can be done, mm-hmm. it's much easier for you to make the attempt right. because in the back of your head, oh, well, this can be done. So yeah. I think similarly, if you're wrestling with, a situation as you're recovering or if you have an illness or if you have an injury uh, and you know that someone else has conquered it, it makes it much easier. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's just, yeah, but even more so with, with people with disabilities because you actually need someone who knows what they're doing. Like in my case, I have a friend who's a good bowler on the team, but I also have another friend who's visually impaired. So I, I take bits and pieces from both of them because she has the vision that I, similar vision that I have. And he has more of the skill. Now, she's still good, but he's the better bowler. So I take certain guidance from him because of how good he is, but also take a lot of leeway from her because she, she knows what it's like to go up there and the pins are blurry. So as an example, so I, you have to kind of take bits and pieces of it because there are people, I mean, I've had people train me. And again, I'm many different. I'm just using a random example. But with bowling, you know, I've had other people train me and they're, they're fully sighted. And they give me their advice on how to do it, but and it helps. But it's still there's still something missing because they aren't like me, and and I'm not looking at it like, oh man, they they just don't understand me. It's just they shouldn't understand me because how how could they? Um, right. Yeah. And so it, it's good to. It's why it's, that's that's why I'm so big on always trying to like find new people and and share their stories because I want. I, I think one of the biggest problems, especially with mental health and everything, is loneliness. Loneliness is a really big problem, and that's where a lot of thoughts come from and all that. And when you feel like negative thoughts, when you're just sitting at home or wherever you are and you feel like there's no one in the world like you and you are the only person like you and you are struggling, there's no one going through what you're going through, 
it's a, it's a harsh reality to swallow, even if it's not true. But in that time, you have no example of what, you know, what, what another person is going through a, a similar situation as you. So you just hate life, you hate whatever, and you just feel like you're just an alien. And, and you, you know, you suck and you're just, you're at the bottom of the barrel. There's, it, life is kind of pointless. But if you find someone who's just like you or has similar experiences, you're more likely to want to go on and move on, especially if it's a positive example where they're like, yeah, I, I have a brain aneurysm or I have this, I have that, and now I'm achieving, I'm doing well in life, I'm thriving. Um, because if you don't have that example, you just think a brain aneurysm is the end of your life or, or whatever whatever you have. Yeah, I think the biggest, the um, you know, I, I had had certain life goals that I think, as we all do, that, that we try to achieve, you know, well, at some point I'll, you know, get married and have a family or at some point I'll buy the house and the car with the, with the, you know, the backyard. And what I realized was that a lot of the goals that I'd had either weren't possible anymore or I didn't care about them as much anymore. So the biggest challenge for me was to think of, okay, well, what can I do uh, that's going to be fulfilling? Um, You know, for me, I, I was lucky enough that I can go back to school um, and that my physical limitations aren't going to prevent me from doing that. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, it's really important. And, and it's great with the uh, with technology now. You can find support groups. On, I, I mean, I'm a member of a support group that meets in Minnesota, um, and I live in Virginia. Okay. But because they have an online, uh, they can do it virtually sometimes, uh, I, I'm able to hear from people and there was uh, it's specifically for people with uh, brain aneurysm recovery so um, there was a a gentleman who I think had a brain aneurysm in the early 1980s and hearing from him was really helpful to kind of illustrate that it can you know recovery can be done and you can have a successful future and you can have a fulfilling life um, as you had just mentioned Um, so I think finding finding those places, those support groups, those examples, um, and then taking the time to really reflect on what is going to be worthwhile, uh-huh. um, you know, and just how much of it is going to have changed but still be possible. It's just, you know, you may need to find a different goal or a different passion or something along those lines. But it's all it's all out there. It's all you know, waiting to be discovered. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and that's kind of really, it pushes you to the brink of figuring out who you really are when, and again, I can't speak for people who are born with certain conditions, but for those of us, and I, you know, mine happened when I was four, but it, it was a long journey of recovery and everything. So, um, and I'm, it's 30 years later, but it's still, I'm still dealing with everything. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it pushes you to the brink of figuring out who you are and how strong you are when, you know, you, you're, especially you as an adult, you're, you're pretty much set in your ways as life. You're, you're, you're headed in one direction and you don't think there's anything that's just going to knock you off your path. And then all of a sudden this flips your whole life upside down. And now you have to readjust, you have to rethink and, and reassess everything because it, you can't do everything the same. And especially for a while, especially when you're really in, in the worst times uh, physically, and then, of course, mentally to follow, you can't really just. You yeah, know. I mean, my, my, I, I'm not to cut oh, you off. My, my, um, I had my aneurysm the week after I turned forty. Uh, yeah. So, it was, it, it was, you know, something that required a lot of transition. But as you had mentioned, I, I was pretty set. My, you know, I was approaching middle age. Um, you know, set my ways. I had a specific track that I was on. So it was a lot of, uh, reconfiguring things. But, um, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely possible. I think, uh, the one recommendation I would, I would tell people is to just give it more time to feel comfortable than you think it'll take. Um, you know, because that, that was always something, that was always something that got in my way was, you know, waiting like, okay, when am I going to start feeling better about this? Yeah. Um, and not really allowing it just to kind of happen in its own time. Sure. Can you, like, to the best of your knowledge, can you explain really what a brain aneurysm is and, like, how it affected you? 
Yeah. So, um, uh, an you you can have an aneurysm. It's basically like the rupture of a of a blood vessel or a vein, um, and you can get them throughout your body. Um, mine was uh, in the brainstem, so uh, I guess a, either a blood vessel or a, or a wall or so, something in my brainstem ruptured and began bleeding, um, and uh, I was fortunate. I was actually about to get on a plane um, and I fell on the jetway. So I wasn't able to get on the plane. And because I was at the airport, uh, first responders could get to me quickly. I managed to get to the hospital, uh, went into surgery. Um, but yeah, that was, and now uh, the only physical problems I have are that my balance is not very good. Um, but it's not, it doesn't prevent me from doing anything. It just means I have to be a lot more careful. Uh, and when I move my head, my vision, uh, takes time to settle. So, uh, I don't, I don't get nauseated, which is, which is a life saving thing. But I also know that I need to wait a second before I move because I will have misjudged the depth. Um, those are really the only two physical uh, limitations that I have. Um, and then it just took a long time to just emotionally feel comfortable. But, uh, going back to your question, yes, when you have a a ruptured, um, uh, like blood vessel or vein or something along those lines. Sure. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, what did you, did you ever like pass out? Uh, yeah, I, I, um, so a lot of people, when they uh, when they have a, a brain aneurysm, they say that it's the worst headache they've ever had. Um, it's, it's referred to as a, what's known as a thunderclap headache. Okay, um, I didn't get any of that. Um, in fact, I, I was really fortunate that nothing was painful. Um, I just I just started sweating profusely, like I had uh, run a long distance race. Mm-hmm. Um, which at the time I probably should have saw as a bigger red flag than it was, but I figured, you know what, maybe I'm coming down with the flu. Um, and again, this is before COVID. So I wasn't really hypersensitive to those sorts of things. Uh, and then when I tried to walk onto the plane, the floor started to shift. Um, oh. and I fell, um, and I remember someone said, don't move. So I remember thinking to myself, okay, that I won't move. And then I said out loud, I can't miss my flight. And someone laughed and said, don't worry, you can get another flight. And then I, then I passed out and I have no memory of the next three weeks. Wow. But, uh, I've seen, I've seen some interesting cell phone videos of me during that time. Oh yeah. Um, So I was I was alert. I was responding to people. I was answering questions, but uh, I have no memory of it. Wow. So you didn't go into which a, is a coma or anything, right? You were no, no, no. I didn't. I um, I uh, was taken to the hospital, and I think I was in surgery pretty quickly, and then I was in intensive care for those three weeks uh, under observation. Um, but uh, no, I, I there was no coma. Um, there were, there were a couple of complications along the way. Uh, I think I had like a second bleed at some point, but, um, but for the most part, everything, everything that could have gone my way ended up going my way. That's good. That's very fortunate. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's somebody's looking out for you there. Cause that's, that's good. Cause you, you hear a lot of horror stories and. and you know, yeah. Well that, that was, I, I, I wrote a um, I wrote a memoir about the experience, and that's one of the things I looked at was had anything been different? Had I been in the bathroom? Had I been in the train uh, going to the airport? Had I been on the plane? Had anything been different? Um, then I wouldn't have I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you on the phone right now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. To that yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to think of it that way because if you're home alone. There's no one there to take care of you. So who the hell knows what would have happened? If you're on the plane, you're yeah. up in the air, you'd have to you have to go back, but God knows how far you are. 
how you have to turn I around. think I think that that's a danger you know that can't like I I took a, a I took some time definitely to think about it but I feel like that can also be a dangerous rabbit hole where you begin to think like geez I'm really lucky had anything been different I'd be dead um and you really like if you if you allow yourself to really think about that for too long, I think it can drive you crazy. So I, I sort of made peace with it and was like, okay, this this happened, and I'm extremely fortunate. But it also like I I also now look at opportunities like they're really uh, golden, and I don't want to waste them because uh, you know I, I I am here with a second act. Um, that most people don't get. So, For sure. um, rather, rather, you know, not that I would look at, uh, at something as a chance to squander it, but like if I'm given the choice between doing something productive and not doing something productive, I will usually do something productive just because, uh, I, I I've come to realize how important it is. Right. Uh, this may be a weird question, but do you feel like this is this happened to you at the right time in your life? Like for me, mine happened to me when I was a kid, and so my depression and anxiety is so much worse as an adult because I'm I'm understanding of what everything is, and I you know I understand all the trauma I've been through, and I'm, I'm in a better place now. I mean, I still deal with it, but um, but I know if I would have had this condition today, it would affect me way worse than it was when I was a kid. Because when I dealt with it then. I was pretty even keel and I was pretty cool with it. Like, I mean, I was, you know, of course I was sad and I was in a lot of pain and everything, but I, I, I took it on much stronger than, than I probably would have as an adult. So like, do you feel like at this point in time in your life, you think this was like the perfect time? I know there is no perfect time, but you feel like this was the time you could have had it that really maybe would have had the best impact on your life. You can have a real learning I think lesson. I, for me, I think so. Um, because I've always been somebody who's, tended to adjust to things better later in life. Um, and I think I personally, I think I probably handled this as well as I could in my early forties. Then let's say if I, if this had happened when I was like 22, um, or, or 18, uh, I, I mean, again, I'm not sure, but I feel like by now I had developed an, enough of my, um, ability to kind of weather difficult times that uh, for me personally, it probably was a better time that it happened when it did. Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that was kind of what I was getting from it. I kind of figured that it seemed like it was. And I mean, yeah, a lot of people don't, you think, cause I mean, especially when you're young too, and you're reckless, you know, we're all young and reckless when we're children, even in, in teenagers, maybe more, some more than others, but a lot of times you can fall off a motorcycle, break your leg, and then you might want to get back up and do it again. But when you're an adult and you're closer to death than you would be, at least by by you know age wise, because we never know how long we actually have. Um, but when you, the more mature you are, the more life experiences you have. When something actually shakes you up and just shows you like how quickly life can end, it's like oof, like I better like really start to enjoy the days I actually have. Especially for you, like now you're recovering and you're in a much better place physically. Um, you know, you know where you were at your worst, and the fact that you like for me, like when I have really good eye days, which are still bad for most, I appreciate I appreciate and love them because I know if I was having a bad eye day mentally, I would be going downhill. So like I appreciate in, and physically the fact that I can move around. Like when I get to talk to people like you and, and others, and you know when I talk to people who are in wheelchairs. I just thank my lucky stars that like that didn't happen to me. And it doesn't mean I feel like I'm better than them, but I just am like, wow, like I can walk today. I can breathe and I can, I can see some cause there are people that are totally blind. Um, and so I'm sure for, for you, I guess it didn't really happen to you at a, a perfect time. If there is one. Well, it's a, it, it also is motivating. Like I, you know, obviously at the beginning there were moments where I was like, well, who cares? You know, you, you go through a depressing state where you're more focused on what you can't do. And then at some point I was like, okay, well, I can do all of these things and I owe it to myself to uh, embrace that and pursue them. But also, like, I'm friends with enough people for, from support groups who would love the opportunity to do something that I can do, but they can't because physically they're still unable to do it. So 
a lot of the time now I think to myself, well, I'm doing this for me, but I'm also doing this for people who uh, are unable to, but would like to. Um, and that, you know, that was something that took a while to arrive at. But once I got there, it's been a nice kind of experience to be like, okay, well, this is important to me. And it's also important in general that I'm doing this and not squandering the opportunity. Sure. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's, I mean, how I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm 34. So I'm in a place where it's like the older I get and, you know, I'm, I'm still, people consider me still young, but I, I look at all the things I've been through and I feel like I've lived a longer life than, you know, cause my body's going through so much that I just go like, I have to start really appreciating things. And I, and I have a friend that died in her twenties and I, I promised her that I would live for her and try to do the best I can to make some sort of impact in this world. And when you really consider how easy it is and how fragile we are, how quickly everything can end, it's not to be morbid or anything, but when you think about it, that it puts in a different perspective. And it definitely puts in a better perspective when you've actually come close to death and you understand like this can all end now. Doesn't hopefully it doesn't, but you know, you know, it can end. And so you got to do what you can to make that kind of impact before it all ends. Because yeah, we all, we all imagine ourselves, you know, living to 90, a hundred and you know, and, and doing well and just being able to retire and just sit in our chair and, you know, whatever, yell at the TV and remember all the things we've been through. But most people don't get to make it that long. So, uh, especially for like you and I, we, we came close to where it was all over. So, uh, at a much younger age. And so, yeah, you just got to learn how to appreciate even the littlest of things. Cause you just don't know when it's over. <clears throat> you still there? Yeah. 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 No, I was just, I, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. But well, I was, gotcha. but, but I was shaking my head, and then I realized <laughs> that's not going to come through. So. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were agreeing, but yeah, that, that, that wouldn't work on audio. Um, so you you said you're kind of going back to school to get into like the mental health field. Why why that? So there was a, a period where I um, I realized I didn't want to go back to teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried, uh, and it just wasn't. It, it was a little too overwhelming. Um, but I thought to myself, uh, what is something that I could do that has been really fulfilling lately? And I realized it was when I could point out to people in a support group that something they'd gone through was something I'd gone through. Um, and I began thinking like, okay, well, what is there a job? Okay, counseling. That's a, you know, that's for therapy or something along those lines. Uh, so I figured, you know what, I have the drive, I have the ability, I'll see about going back to school. Um, so when I get my degree, I can, I can counsel people who are having a difficult time, um, recovering from either a brain injury or, uh, what I've, what I've, uh, noticed too, is that there are a lot of people who struggle with, um, you know, difficulties or problems or injuries that aren't visible. Um, yeah. you know, like a, a, a friend of mine just gave a presentation about long COVID symptoms. Um, and I know people with, uh, things like chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia or, um, things where they're, it, it's really difficult to, to show physically what's happening, but emotionally it's really a, a, a huge problem. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've been through this myself. So I have a pretty good idea of what it's like. And if I can help people um, as they're going through it to feel better, then why not? Why not do that? Yeah. Well, I think you, I mean, some people don't want to kind of clear. They don't want to put mental health in a category of some sort of disability. And I believe it is as a person who has another disability. I believe it's absolutely it's in a different category. But it is it is a disability, and it's it you know that's where all these you know invisible disabilities come from, and I think some people are just they're always there are people who milk the system and they you know whatever they get money from the government because of you know for for some laziness. But there's a lot of people that are really really struggling with their chronic pain and their mental disabilities, and and people don't want to believe them because it's not a visible thing. Like 
for me, they always say like, oh, you don't look blind because I don't have a dog or I don't have a cane. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not officially blind. I'm legally blind. There's a difference. But, um, and, and everything has got to be so visual for everybody. And so if you're, you, there are people with have like fibromyalgia or lupus or some of these chronic pains where they can only stand for so long and they look fine when they're walking and then all of a sudden it just dies down and then they have to sit in a wheelchair. And people are like, well, why do you have a wheelchair? Are you, what, are you, what are you doing that for? And it's like, because I need it. Um, I have a friend who got kicked out of a aquarium because he, he rides a Segway because yeah, he can't, he can't uh, walk for a long period of time. And they kicked him out of a Segway or kicked him out of the aquarium because they refused him access because he had a segue because it's like, well, if you do it, then we have to let everybody. It's like, no, I, I, this is a health thing. And I have doctor's notes and everything to prove documentation that says this is what I got to do. And so he's still fighting it now in court because, um, you know, it's wrong. They threw him out because of it. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, it's good for people like you to like step up and, and try to put it in the right light. Cause if you don't talk about it, it never, it just, it never gets brought up and, there's a lot of people out here that are just suffering and their lives are already hard as it is. And that's, I think, one of the underlining themes that people don't really understand with people with disabilities, especially with those with chronic pains, but all disabilities really in this part, where a lot of times the hardest part of having a disability isn't the disability. It's everything else. It's the struggle to get a job. It's, it's how people treat you and look at you and, and, and dismiss you immediately look at you like you're stupid and many different reasons. So if there's people out there that are being vocal and speaking up, uh, it, it really makes a difference because there's a lot of people that really need your help. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get back into, um, you know, a lot, a lot of it was, again, it was something that I would enjoy doing. Um, but also it would be helpful for, it was like a win-win ever, you know, everyone, hopefully I'll, I'll shine a spotlight on something that needs to be discussed more often. Um, I'll provide support for people who are really struggling and, uh, and it'll give me something to do to stay engaged and feel like I'm, uh, capitalizing on this opportunity. Yeah. I'm sure for you, it feels good to help people. I mean, it sounds corny and all, real cheesy. Like, oh, I like to help people because that was that was something that you know, for me, they would always ask, like, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm just like, I want to help people, but I never really knew what that meant until later in life. And but when you really do help people, it's very satisfying. It feels good, and and it helps you to heal as well because you know you're making a difference in someone else's life. And sometimes some of their pain is is parallel to yours, and you go, okay. Maybe this is how I'm giving advice on how they should do the, how they should fix a certain aspect of their life. Maybe this, I can attribute it to my life as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's gotta be very satisfying just and gratifying just to just help someone, especially someone you don't know. It's one thing to help someone you already love. Uh, you probably were already doing that, but when you help someone you really don't know and you have an interaction, maybe you, you built some sort of chemistry and it's like, Ooh, like, Thank you. Like you make an impact because there's, I'm, I'm sure for you, even in your teachings and just in life, there are teachers or certain people that came along when you were a kid that just made an impact on you. Maybe it's just one or two people, but you remember them because they, they didn't give up on you or for whatever reason. Like the reason you are who you are is because of whatever your parents or whoever. You remember those, those specific people along your journey that really impacted you uh, positively. Definitely. I mean, and that's, that's one of the things I hope to do aside from, you know, providing support and helping people adjust with their problems, but just also um, establishing a connection, you know, where they, they feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as I said, the, the feeling alone is the worst part, at least for me it was. And I, I've, I've talked to many others that feel the same way that, that just feeling like there's no one coming to save you. There's no one that understands, um, and I've said this ad nauseum, but you can be in a room full of a hundred people. You could be in a concert and still feel alone. You could look around at thousands of people all around you, and, and if you feel like not one of them understand you and they all are looking at you and judging you or, or ignoring you, you can just feel like you're absolutely alone and full of a, a world full of people. Um, until you have someone who really shows you like, hey, or has some words that trigger 
that mind, that little stem in your brain. It's like, oh yeah, I know what it's like to do that. I I, I know what it's like to go through that. That's and, and for someone like you who has gone through something, and, and there might be people who will hear your story, whether it's through me or someone else, and and they may just grasped on one little thing you said. It might have. They might not have even had a brain aneurysm, but something you say could just trigger something in their brain and go, wow, that all right. I can get with that and I, maybe I don't feel as alone. And that for me, that's all that matters to me. Like I, like I've said this many times interviewing people. I, I have a better chance of reaching more people. If I interview people with different conditions, because sitting on here talking about being visually impaired or blind is great. And I can still help some people, but I rather try to help more people than I can, especially with mental health and, and every other disability. Cause there are so many others that are struggling and alone. I feel like we're all in it together, regardless if we're different or not. We definitely are. I mean, that was, that was where I got the most satisfaction out of teaching was, you know, helping for the, my last teaching position was in high school. So helping high school kids feel like, like what they were going through as an adolescent was a universal thing that everyone feels awkward and everyone has, difficulty communicating um and now it's it's this, a similar type thing it's just with a different group um you know hel- helping people to feel like because right now as you mentioned unfortunately there is a really big stigma associated with either mental health or things along those lines so i think that's one of the things i'm hoping to try to um you know to to reevaluate get people to reevaluate is their perception of mental health yeah, there's stereotypes and stigmas that come with literally everything. It's just we have to kind of venture away from it. I've said this so many times, like a lot of times when people do talk about mental health, it's when someone shoots up a school or something like that. And unfortunately, there's a lot of times those kids could have probably been helped. It's just we ignored the signs or, you know, of course, bad parenting and whatever else. There's so many factors that jump in, but no one really addresses it because we just... And, and then I, I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, but... Not that I'm against or, you know, I'm scared to, but I think part of the, the this politically correctness world we live in where we can't really question anything and we can't ask anything, it makes it hard to just go, hey, man, like, are you going through something? Like, are you okay? Like, are you are you being abused at home? Are, are, like, are you all right? Because you, you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. You can't say certain things because someone will get offended at God knows what. And if you were able to just have an open dialogue with a child and say, look, man, like if you're struggling, like you got a bruise on your face, like, are you, are you good? Like, I don't, I don't want to like immediately assume, but are you okay? And and not knowing that you're going to lose your job or whatever else. And so I'm assuming even as as a person who was a teacher, maybe it was four years ago or whatever, but you still was in the time where teachers, they don't have it that easy. It's very hard to probably be a teacher nowadays you can't be the same way you were 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it had, I'm sure it had changed a lot. Um, but, uh, COVID definitely changed some things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was, I was already out of the game, so to speak by the time COVID hit. So yeah, right. I didn't really have to, worry about that too much but yeah no it's it, it's definitely a different uh it's a different climate that we live in yeah and like i said with the with the stigmatization like it's got to be hard to be a teacher and, and actually approach a student about something that they're bothered by because i mean now how parents are being you know just crucified for even questioning their three-year-old whether they're a boy or a girl now like you can't parent you can't hit your kids you can't do nothing so I can imagine if a kid is in high school and he's struggling with demons and god knows what else and you want to say hey man are you okay because you don't want him to be the next school shooter obviously you can't approach him like that but in order to address it you I mean in order to like kind of get it in the air you have to talk to him or her and say hey you like are you good because if you don't something terrible could happen. And so uh, a lot of these these stigmatizations and, and things, it, if we don't address them and we don't, like I said, that's a problem. I think communication is like one of the biggest keys in this world. And we don't, we tend not to, we shy away from it because now everyone's so scared 
to just ask the most obvious question. And we don't address each other's problems. And I mean, there's a lot of selfishness too, but we don't listen to each other enough. And, and because of how everyone's getting in trouble for everything, we don't, we just, we just like, screw it. I'm not going to ask because I'm going to lose my job. Possibly. Nodding your head again. No, no, no. I, was, I, I didn't, there wasn't a. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, I, I, but it's, it's good that someone like you steps outside and wants to help because we need it. It's mental health. I think if you look around the world, but if you want to just look for, for our country, you look around, I think mental health is literally the problem for everything. I'm not saying it's the only problem, but it's one of the most prominent problems. And I think everyone tries to shy away from like, oh, I don't have any mental health. I think we all have some sort of it, but we all grieve. We all go through some sort of depression. We all all had some anxiety. You know, we've all had some sort of PTSD from something. Some is, you know, magnified and, and way worse, but we all have had a little bit. We've all cried and we've all been angry. Um, and it's like if we don't, we don't have people addressing this. And because everyone just, unfortunately, when you look at the Internet, all you see is blogs and you'll see a, you know, what they call clickbait. You'll see a link. And it'll say something, and then you click on the video, and the video is basically nothing what 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 it advertised, or or even the blog. It's just the headline that catches you, and you're like, oh, this person said this. Oh shit! Well, that is terrible. And then you read the whole article, and it's completely out of context. <clears throat> and and but people, that's what they see. They see these videos. They see all the silliness, and. And again, stuff like COVID exacerbates this stuff because people are just angry and they're, and they're just hurting. And instead of helping each other, we just look at each other as the enemy and we find every reason to be like, we're so easily segregated. I was talking about the disability community, but that's people in general as well, where it's just like black and white people get along every day. But because the media likes to point it in a direction like, oh, this white cop did this. Oh, we're all, we're at war. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. But and, and, and so, again, like I said, mental health has just bled into all these issues, uh, no matter what it is. But we don't, we try, but there's people like you that are talking about it. But if we don't, if there's not more to step up and we don't, because I think when people hear mental and mental health, it's, it's always, oh, straight jackets and, you know, again, school shooters and things like that. We, we go to the worst case, like imagery possible. But there are people that are just depressed. They're just sad. Because they lost someone or, or, you know, grieving or they're, I don't know, they're just, they're, they're hurting over whatever. They're, they're in pain and they're trying to figure out their direction in life and where they're going. And we just, we write those people off. And it, it's sad. I think it's so easy to write people off nowadays because even these kids who possibly will shoot up a school, maybe they're having, they, they, they've been you know, writing in some sort of manifest that they're going to kill somebody, whatever, and then they catch them before he does it and it's like oh he's a crazy lunatic piece of shit let's get rid of him he's the bottom of society and it's like no can we try to help him because we're all not that again same with the death thing earlier like we're all not that far away from being like really screwed up and doing making really terrible decisions it's just life takes us in different directions and some people really get screwed over um and i'm not saying you get a pass because you shoot up a school or you you touch somebody a child or something but if you can catch them before they do it I don't know, maybe we have a chance to save them, but we just, we write them off like, oh, yeah, screw them. They're, they're, they're broken. They're useless. Well, you can say that about a lot of people. If you really break them down and you go deep into their psyche, you can say, oh, what's the point of helping you? You're, you know, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican. Like you, you don't care about us. Like you can break down any part in society and say someone is broken, but reality, they might have something valuable to, to give the world. Well, I think that the, I'm, I'm from what I've seen, the perception is beginning to change. So I think that's probably good that there's that mental health is being less stigmatized. Sure. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it'll continue to go in that direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, you're right. I think COVID that is one thing COVID I think has helped because I mean, one of the, the statistics that were coming out, especially in the early, like 2020 and 2021, it was like, Oh, there's a, like more child abuse and domestic violence that's going up because people are trapped in the houses with each other. And, and it was just like, well, where the hell is all this coming from? Why is this get becoming rampant? 
And it's like, oh, okay, people are just, there's something mentally wrong here. There's people that are just struggling with, I don't think people thought like, oh, being trapped in my house, can't really go to stores, can't really go anywhere, afraid of a cold. You know, this could actually trigger something and make me sad or make me anxious. Because um, like I said, there's that's why it's so key to talk about mental health in its entirety. Because if you don't, you skip a lot of steps and you, you, you just see the imagery that people out of the propaganda that people put out there. Like this is no, this is mental health in a nutshell. You can't really define mental health in one, one or two words. It doesn't, it's, it's impossible because if you want to explain mental health in its entirety, you really have to go through many stages and steps and just have people like share their experiences. Cause there's many, there's many people that can define mental health in 10 different ways. That is true. It's it's so it's so convoluted, but you know, it, it's also it's a, it's a great topic. It's a, it's a great thing to to discuss because, like I said, I think we all struggle with it one way or another, and I think a lot of us suppress a lot of feelings and emotions that we never deal with, and then later in life it just comes to fruition and it's just it it just pops out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? And it's like it was there the whole time. We just didn't address it. Because we were told some of us are, especially as guys, you know, we have this like bravado thing where we have to, you know, we have to keep it inside. We have to be tough and all this horse shit. And it's like, it doesn't really work out in our favor. There's a lot in there. If we would just address, sometimes you could cry. It's okay to cry. I don't care who you are. It's okay to, you know, go to therapy. It's okay to punch a pillow once in a while. It's okay to, you know, let out your emotions. If people think you're weak, then they're probably the weaker person. Because, you know, it, it's okay to show inner, like inner strength isn't just being tough physically. You, you got to let that stuff out because sometimes a cry is very therapeutic and, and it's just good to uh, unload everything that's bothering you. And you actually, a lot of times can get back up and go, oh, like, I don't know what just happened, but I feel better. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're, based on what, again, what, on, on what I've seen, that that's becoming a more accepted practice. So Yeah, well, we need it. Um, do you, I, I, I don't remember if I asked, because you said you had a book coming out. Did it, did it, uh, it actually come out? Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate that the last uh, few years I've managed to publish a couple of uh, fiction and some nonfiction Um so if you, if you look for my name on Amazon, uh, you'll find it, um, or on my website, but there's links to everything. Okay. Uh, so that, that, yeah, that's been a, a sort of a fun, um, you know, I, I said I was fortunate that I can still sit down and write. So I've been able to do that. And that's, that's been like a fun way to stay engaged. Sure. Why, why? What was the thinking behind the writing the books? Was there some goal that you were trying that's, to achieve? Yeah, I mean, that's always, for for the last 20 years or so, I've wanted to be an author. Um, so that was the, the, the hope that I would um, make a career out of doing that. Uh, and I, I kind of have, although it's not, you know, it, it, I think these days, especially it's different, you know, to be an artist of any kind, if you're a musician or a filmmaker or, or a writer, um, it's much more, you know, the idea that you have of what that means. I think most people probably think like, you know, John Grisham, but uh, that's, you know, virtually impossible to do anymore. So yeah. for, for me, it was more just like, I enjoy doing this. And I'm not really going to think about what happens uh, when, you know, if, the, if it gets accepted and published by a publisher, great. And if it doesn't, then that's fine, too. I'm just having a good time kind of uh, putting everything together. That's good. And it lowers your expectations. And, and when something good comes from it, 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 it's so much stronger. And it's like, wow, I didn't see this coming. And it's, it, yeah, when you put yourself out there and you, you do things such as that, you know, I know doing the podcast, like I, I, there's a lot of experiences that have come from just doing this that I did never envisioned. I just was talking and I didn't think anyone would care about my voice. I didn't think anyone would, um, would listen or 
I didn't think anything would come from it. Like I went back to my school where it was a lot of visually impaired and blind kids. I got to talk to them and just things like that. I just couldn't envision happening. Uh, and it's so nice to do that because when you when you go into it as like a hobby and it's something you just enjoy doing, you're like, you, you don't really see what can come down the pipe. Like what 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 could come from this? And then, you know, a couple years in, you're like, ooh. Oh, look, look at all that had happened. And that's why you really have to get out of your house. You really have to kind of try to discover what's out in the world. Because there's a lot of people that don't leave their town. And that's why they're so closed-minded, because they don't really know what's out there. And you have to put yourself out, and, and especially when, with someone like you who's wanting to talk about mental health. Well, you actually have to have the experience, because there's a lot of people that are going to school and getting their degrees and saying, oh, you know, I'm here for mental health, but then they don't really have a lot of experience. There's people who have a doctorate in mental health but never went to school for it, if you know what I mean. Like, they went through hell, and they're now standing, and they're stronger than ever, and they, they're they a, a valid person to talk to, to give you good advice, and that's just through life experience. And if you just, like I said, you just sit around and just hope things come to you, it won't happen. But when you put yourself out there like you are, writing books and, and, and going to school and all that, you're meeting people and, and at some point you just and getting in these groups, you're connecting with others who are going through the same thing and it, it can change how you you know, how you thought about something and then, you know, that's how you just grow and evolve as a person. Definitely. Um, so did we promote everything? I I wanna I don't wanna like skip anything that you would be Yeah, I th- I think so, pretty much. Yeah, I don't want to skip anything because I enjoyed talking to you. Um, and give me one second. I have to mute my mic or think because someone's calling or knocking on my door. All right, I'm back. I guess I got a package. I don't even know what it is. So, um, but yeah, I guess we can wrap up. I just wanted to make sure we got everything. If there's anything else you want to talk about, please throw it in. No, I mean, every, all, all the information is on my website. You know, if you want to learn anything about me or, or get any of the books I've written, um, it's pretty transparent, but I think we've covered everything that uh, that was on my list. Okay, cool. Yeah, and please keep me updated. I'd love to know what's going on with you if you, ever, if you want to keep in touch. Um, Definitely. Please, you know, you need a friend, someone to talk to. I'm always here. Uh, and if you need anything from me, you know, I owe you one. So. <clears throat> well, thank you for giving me the chance to speak with you. Yeah, anytime, buddy, anytime. I'm just happy you're doing what you're doing, and we need more people like you. So. Uh, Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, I look forward to hearing this and I hope you have a great day and thanks again for the chance. You too, my friend. You have a good day. All right. Take care. See you, buddy. Bye. Boy. So, guys, hold on one second. All right. So, I muted my mic. So, you guys are probably waiting with anticipation. What did he get? Sorry. I, I should have muted the mic before I did that. What in the hell is this? I have no idea. What in the, is this even mine? <laughs> what is this? Uh, I gotta mute them. I gotta, I gotta pause this again because I, I gotta open these boxes. Well, I was gonna say apologies for the wait, but I realized I obviously I had the thing on pause, so it really is just a quick transition back into it. So, guys, I don't know what the hell they sent me. They're talking about some biohazards. It, it's just a bunch of, like, bags and shit. It's, it, there's, n- I didn't order this. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Uh, I guess I'm gonna have to get someone with sight to, with sight to check this out, because I have no idea what the hell this is. I have packages supposed to come, I guess, but this isn't, I don't know what the hell this is. So, sorry. Very anticlimactic. This was not what I was... Um, I wasn't hoping for anything. I was just hoping it was something that I can just go, hey, guys, look at what I got. I got something cool to share with you. I mean, not every day someone knocks on my door while I'm doing a podcast interview. So I figured I'd give you the breaking news, the scoop. Uh, but, yeah, it was absolutely nothing. Not important, anyway. If uh, I don't know what they're trying to say. But, yeah. Anywho, uh, thank you to him for his story. Uh, very, very, very sweet guy. Uh and uh, enjoyed talking to him. Bullet was here laying with me, but he's now uh, off. Oh, yeah, that's right. He ran as soon as he heard the door open up the front door, the screen door. So, because he's a pussy for two reasons. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you. Thank you again for your support. You're all just lovely fellas and lotties. Uh, and uh, I will see you on the next one. I don't really have much to say. 
because I'm just kind of thrown off on this dumb package here. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to go get some food here in a little bit. Uh, actually, I'm recording this on Veterans Day. So a friend of mine has a veteran and they give free food out in a lot of these places. So I think we're going to Texas Roadhouse. My food won't be free. Um, I'm, a, I'm a podcast veteran. Let's see if they'll give me something free. Uh, but yeah. So I got that, and I'm going to go bowling tonight. Hopefully we, we stay undefeated, or at least win most of our games. I've been bowling better, and yes, I already mentioned bowling earlier, but bring it up again because I am all in. Uh, but yes, everybody, take care of yourself. Be happy. Try to be happy. And uh, push through the pain. And, uh, you know, cheesy. But love one another. Try to just love one another. Just, just put some effort into that. Give somebody love well, at least once a day. Give one person love a day. Try that. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So we are out of here. And uh, again, thank you. And uh, we will see you in a week. Bye bye, people.